Technology, politics, and the economy are changing fast. No time to keep up with all the policies affecting your everyday life and figuring out fact from fiction? Not even sure where God could fit in all of this? Don't worry, I've got your back. I'm here to dig a little deeper into the issues of the day. And most importantly, to show you the spiritual principles and solutions we can use to rise above it all victoriously for your family's success. Stay tuned as we discover God's plan for our life on earth as it is in heaven. Welcome to the podcast where we're connecting the physical world and the spiritual world. In the last few episodes, we've been talking about money and looking at what is the appropriate view of money for a Christian. Some prophetic words that some Christians have had from God about what's coming up in 2023. And I've looked into the changes that institutions are making about interest rates, changing money supply, changing inflation definition, and you may not completely trust prophetic words as they, after all, come through fallible human beings. That's fine. You can just wait and see if what they say happens. You may not trust the economics experts that you see on TV either. And certainly don't trust any guesses I might have about whether markets are going to go up or going to go down. I think this is where the roller coaster analogy might uh, come in. Probably be quite a few ups and downs and a lot of confusion. For today, I want to look at the big picture around the globe and try to connect some of the dots for us. Not to predict the future, but to just be aware of the seasons we're in and what's going on around us so that we can act wisely. So whether it's wise or not, I just got rid of my 2008 Hyundai Accent. Not big news, I know, but it struck me as an example of what's been happening in our economy. The Accent is not a performance vehicle by any stretch, but a good little reliable car. I generally try to buy used cars. I figure that the life in the first few years of a car is a luxury I wasn't willing to pay for. Cars are not good investments. They lose a big part of their value the moment you drive them off the lot. So this time around, I bought a five-year-old one. I've noticed that everything seems just a little cheaper quality than the older model. It looked the same, but didn't handle the same. Even the frame flexed a bit in cornering. The old one didn't. And I spent, for a five-year-old car, more than I paid for the new one in 2008. So since the price went up, does that mean cars are now a good investment? No, it means that holding the dollar makes even cars look like a good investment in comparison. That's not good news for the dollar. And as an economic indicator, I saw recently a statistic that the 60-day delinquency rate for used car loans is up 25%. That's not good. If people are buying used cars instead of new, and then not able to make the payments on their used car, that's not a good indicator that the economy is healthy for lots of people. If you haven't had time to keep track of all these indicators here and around the world, not to worry, I've got you. We'll just take a few minutes now to catch you up, as I have a few questions for you to consider. Question number one. Do you think food prices are likely to get better or worse over the next few years? You may or may not have heard 
There were huge farmer protests last year in Holland. Because nitrous oxide is 300 times more potent at warming the atmosphere, having zero carbon isn't enough anymore. Now we have to limit nitrogen, which is a major component of fertilizer. This has prompted governments like Holland and Canada to implement 30% reduction requirements for farmers. Farmers tried to tell politicians, to no avail, that they don't just throw money away on fertilizer for no reason. And in the past few decades, there's been concerns about nitrogen fertilizers polluting rivers, and so they have calculated the exact amount of fertilizer they need. So that means decreasing fertilizer by 30% will decrease food production by 30%. Pretty simple calculation, right? And another thing to consider, the war in Ukraine won't help. These are two major exporters of food around the world. And Canadian wheat farmers are being given the same nitrogen 30% reduction limit. And Canada is also in the top five wheat exporters. If you want to see what happens when a country follows this plan, you just have to look at Sri Lanka. The UN held their 2021 meeting on nitrogen in Sri Lanka because they were a model of following the UN nitrogen level policies. Just one year later, they had day-long gas station lineups, couldn't afford to import anything, and basically destroyed their economy. A little closer to home, I'm sure you've been told at your local stores this year that some of your favorite products just are not available due to supply chain issues. And as countries are becoming more protectionist, supply chains won't fix themselves, especially with tensions with China, Saudi, Russia. And of course, Scarcity means higher prices. Speaking of Russia, Putin actually said last year that the economy of pretend things, what he refers to paper assets as, is coming to an end and will be replaced by the economy of real things, i.e. commodities. Commodities are things like wheat, oil, and minerals in eastern Ukraine. So question number two is, how likely is it that gold and silver prices will ever go back to 2022 prices? If you look at the two major storage vaults in the Western world, COMEX in the US, their supply of silver is down 66% in two years. And the LBMA in London is at its lowest. Gold supplies have been reduced significantly over the year as well. Again, scarcity leads to higher prices. On the other hand, it's estimated that China bought 300 tons of gold this summer. Russia has increased their gold stores 20-fold since the recession of 2008. Central bankers also, in 2022, bought up more gold than they have in the past 55 years, a 150% increase over the previous year. It certainly looks like somebody thinks that this is going to be more valuable. Those are a couple indicators that there's a pretty serious problem. So what's being done about it? Well, as I've mentioned, the Fed is wanting to increase interest rates to decrease inflation. The Treasury, on the other hand, is wanting to increase money supply, which would lead to higher inflation. Most of the countries around the world are scrambling to come up with an idea, and most of them have come up with central bank digital currencies known as CBDCs. They're all trying to develop these as a solution. 
Surely the technology will solve the problem, right? Well, government still owes the same amount of money, whether it's in digital or paper currency. Governments have been promoting it as it'll be a convenient way for us to uh, make monetary transactions. I don't know about you, but I'm finding it quite convenient the way it is right now with my credit card and e-transfers. That's not really the issue. From where I stand, the main things CBDCs actually makes more convenient is for governments to track citizens. Many people around the world looked at what happened in Canada with the Freedom Convoy in February 2022 and realized how easily a peaceful democratic government can extend their control with the technology they already have and didn't like what they saw. This and the other things I mentioned about the Fed and Treasury makes Bitcoin an attractive alternative for many. For the first time in history, there's an alternative to currency besides gold. And it's hard to predict the disruption this is going to cause in currency markets. Besides cryptocurrency, AI is another revolutionary technology that will transform our world. These are probably good topics for me to delve into sometime later. But for now, the topic at hand is our money. As hard as it was to earn your money, the real trick is being able to hold on to it. In spite of all the machinations of global corporatism and politics around us, you can do just that. From the research that I and others have done, and prophetic words that I've passed on to you, and your own time with God. As I referred to the Sermon on the Mount earlier, I'll close with this. Jesus told us that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. We're not to have our heart following mammon, the monetary system of the world, but rather to be focusing laying up our treasures in heaven, because whatever you focus on, you empower. If you love money, money will cause you to worry, and worry always leads to bad decisions. When we seek God's kingdom first, he will give us what we need. Jesus reassured us of this in his sermon. Keep in mind that I have no crystal ball. I'm not a financial advisor. I don't know your personal situation. I just wanted to reach out and give you a heads up as to what's going on in the world around us. Remember, when it's obvious to all, it's probably too late to do much about it. Investments have always been for the elite, insiders. And as you listen to Holy Spirit, you can be an insider this time. If you are presenting your body as a living sacrifice and allowing Holy Spirit to transform your mind, congratulations. You are integrating your spirit, mind, and body, strengthening yourself to overcome evil with good. Please leave a rating for the show and hit subscribe to be notified of new fascinating topics I'll be discussing next on earth as it is in heaven. Until next time, may God bless you and make you a blessing to those around you.